I'll ask you to be finding your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, doing the best of things in the worst of times. Doing the best of things in the worst of times. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, the Bible says these words beginning to read in verse number 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I caused, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and Give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed. For they, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to this place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us and challenge us today, God, again. I pray if there's one among us that's never been saved, God, I pray you'll overwhelm them. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help them to sense their lostness, their need for Christ today. And Father, I pray that they'll turn and choose Jesus to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray that you'll encourage your church today. With your difficult days in which we're living, it's a challenging time in our country. Those of us that love you and love your word, God, we're so dissatisfied as we look around and we see immorality, things that are taking place in our country. But God, I pray that from this text today, you'll encourage your church that we will find us as a people in these days who seek to do the best of things in the worst of times. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Be seated. Won't you please? Remember that God called Jeremiah uh, to minister to the nation of Israel as they were about to experience his judgment because of their sin and because of their rebellion. Remember, judgment came to them. Remember after the, we've been Wednesday nights, we've been in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Uh, we're moving through uh, we've completed Second Samuel, and we saw that after the death of Solomon, there was a civil war in Israel. Ten tribes went to the north, Judah stayed to the south, and so they had different kingdoms. The northern kingdom quickly turned as they pushed away from temple worship. Uh, quickly they turned to Baals, and 722 B.C., because they had perverted the true worship of God, they had oppressed the poor, the two main sins uh, that had affected the north and the south. God judged the northern kingdom through Assyria in 722 B.C. And then he judged the southern kingdom later. And so he called Jeremiah to minister 
to the southern kingdom of Judah. And it was a difficult ministry. I mean, God let him know from the very beginning, I'm calling you to a ministry. No one's going to listen to what you preach. No one's going to respond to the invitation. Um, but still yet, I'm sending you to go share my word. Imagine, you know, God calling a pastor and saying, now listen, I'm going to send you to a church. They're not going to listen to anything that you preach. As a matter of fact, they're going to mock you. Sometimes they're going to slap you and hit you. They're going to threaten your life. No one's going to get saved. No, no one's going to really turn. So go get them, big boy, sick them. Anybody feel just excited that you'd want to sign up for that? Well, that's what God called Jeremiah to. And so the first 28 chapters of Jeremiah, they really are at times just doom and gloom. There's just a darkness that rests over the first 28 chapters. In Jeremiah chapter 11, Jeremiah begins to be threatened. People say, look, if you don't shut up what you're preaching, all this repentance, we're going to kill you. Okay, what you're preaching is not popular. It doesn't make us feel good, and we don't want to hear it anymore. Jeremiah chapter 20, man, they moved to physical harm. Now he's experiencing pain physically because he's simply seeking to do what God has called him to do. The one nation that God called that through them, all nations would be blessed. It's what we celebrated yesterday. When in the fullness of time, Christ would come, born of a virgin. She would come from the nation of Israel. This was why God had called them. This is why he had called Abraham. This is why he had redeemed them out of Egypt. This is why he gave them the promised land, which was to be an abundant place where there would be a kingdom of priests to raise a godly generation so that Christ could come. The, the, one, the one nation that should have received his word, they were rejecting it. They didn't want to hear it anymore. It was a country that was founded upon God's word and the covenant, Leviticus 26, but they had rejected that now. In Jeremiah chapter 26, he's threatened again. So Jeremiah had a very difficult ministry. In 597 B.C., Babylon descended. In 586 B.C., the temple was finally destroyed. That really symbolized the end of the southern kingdom as it had been. And so this is what Jeremiah was preaching to. You know, sometimes in hardship, we begin to question God, you know, as to why he's allowed a challenging hardship to come into our lives. That's what, the, that's what the nation of Israel was experiencing as a whole. The godly remnant and, and the rebellious as well. They were all experiencing it together. And so some of them probably began to question, why, why is this happening? Well, for the southern kingdom, it was happening because of their sin. They had done this as a whole. There was a righteous remnant who was still living for the Lord. But the majority of the nation of Israel had rebelled against God. And so because of that, they were experiencing his judgment. God had told them that very clearly in Leviticus 26. If you follow me, if you obey my word, you'll experience my blessing. Rebel, and you're going to experience judgment. And so it's hard just to be happy and giddy when you're experiencing God's judgment. When you're living in hardship and living in challenges. The author of Psalm 137, he wrote it this way. It says, by the rivers of Babylon. Now, that's where Israel is. That's where Judah is now. They've been carried captive into Babylon. They're no longer in Judah anymore. The author of Psalm 137 says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. He says, when we look back and we remembered the sunny days, God's blessing, God's goodness, the national pride that we had, that we were the people of God. Now look where we are. He says, we, we, we weep, we cry when we remember Zion. Verse 2 says, we hung our harps upon the willows of the midst of it. He says, there's no reason to play a happy song anymore. 
all the songs about victory in Jesus, we don't sing them anymore. He says, because we're living in judgment. Verse 3 says, for they're those who carried us away captive, asked of us a song. They said, you know, the, the Babylonians are saying, hey, boys, sing us a song about God. Anybody want to sing Amazing Grace? How about, how about victory in Jesus? How about because he loves me? Somebody, somebody play that for us. He says, those who plundered us requested myrrh, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But listen to what verse 4 of Psalm 137 says. But how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? The ones that sat there said, how, how can we rejoice when we're in a place that we don't even really want to be in? How can we worship and sing songs of praise when these things have come to place in our lives? Where they were was not their plan. Don't miss that. Where, where the nation of Israel was as a whole, the rebellious and the righteous, it wasn't their plan, but it's where God had led them to. It was, it was his plan. Many times people think that if adversity comes against them, it surely could not be from God. Don't you listen to me. What the nation of Israel was experiencing most certainly had come from God. God had sent it because of what they had done. Our text tells us this. Verse 8 says, for, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners and your midst tell you these things haven't you know, come to pass on this. God says, I sent this. I sent this upon you. I did this. So Jeremiah wrote a letter to encourage a group of people who are in a place and in a country experiencing things that they didn't really want to experience. God sent a letter through Jeremiah to encourage them, don't miss this, how to live and how to serve God in a difficult day. How to keep living and how to serve God in a place that they really didn't want to be. And so those truths encourage us today and establish our outlook for living in the days to come. Friend, listen. I mean, our country is turned upside down from what it was years ago. Economic instability, political instability, the moral climate in our country, uh, the indoctrination that media and those who write shows and movies now are trying to, to cause us to, to make sin more palatable, and to accept what God has said is wrong, is right. We're living in hard days. And none of us who love the Lord and love His Word and love His will are just happy and giddy about the environment that we're living in. And if you are, I'm going to tell you twofold. One, you're lost and you need to be saved. Or two, you're backslidden and you need revival. But anyone that truly loves the Lord, loves His Word, and loves His will, no one's excited about the world in which we're living in. But my friend, it is the world in which we're living in. And so we've got to find a way that as we move forward in 2022 to seek to do the best of things in the worst of times. That's what Jeremiah was seeking to encourage the people of God to do. In order to do that, number one, you have to embrace and accept the situation. You have to embrace and to accept the situation. By embracement, listen, that's not approval. Oftentimes, people in life have things done to them, and they never forgive the person who wronged them. I want you to listen to me. Just by, by, I don't want to get off my, my message. There may be some way here today. You, know, you, just really, you can't move forward in your walk with Christ because you hate somebody. Somebody did something to you so heinous, and I do not make light of it. But you, you are held captive by the hate 
that you have for that person. Listen to me. You've got to forgive them. Forgiveness is not approval. It doesn't mean you approve of what the person did to you, but you can forgive the person who did that thing to you, friend, and give it to Jesus, and you can move forward in victory. And so we don't approve of the things that are going on in our world, but we have to accept that this is the way that it is. We embrace it, and we accept it and say, this is, this is it. Uh, look what the Bible says in verse number 4 of, of Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. God says, look, this is the way that it is. This, this is where you're at. He says, I'm your God. I'm over you. You couldn't draw your next breath unless I allowed it. And this is where you're going to live now. And friend, listen to me. This is the America that we're going to live in in 2022. And you can whine about it. You can gripe about it. You can watch Fox News until it just drives you crazy. Listen, it's, listen, it's not news. It's opinions. Listen to all the opinions. All these You can listen to all that until you go nuts. This will, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? And conspiracy theory this, and conspiracy theory that. And you saw Elvis at 7-Eleven and all these different things. Conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy. Or you can just say, God, this is it. This is it. This is the way the world is. This is the way the church is. This is the moral climate. I do not, I do not embrace it. I don't rejoice in it. But God, this is the way it is. And so we just embrace and accept the situation. And Israel had to do that. See, this is where we're living. But listen to me. They also had to accept that they had a hand in it. They had a hand in it. They were the ones who brought this upon themselves. Remember, friend, the first step of repentance is, is to concur with God. It's to agree with God. See, God, I've done, it's the Holy Spirit convicts you've lost this. You've got to say, God, I've done this. God, I did this. And then begin to confess it. And so Israel had to embrace and say, you know what, we did this. And friend, I want, I want you to listen to me this morning, because I, I don't want to spend long here. But in part, the church is to blame for what's going on in America today. The church is to blame. Because of years past, many churches have sought to be country clubs for the saints, not hospitals for sinners. And we're going to vote everything the right way, and it's about social. And my goodness, if we can't have food along with it, well then, I mean, we might as well stop everything. Just stop everything. And so from a country club perspective, trips, get-togethers, and we'll fit the Word of God in where we can. The church hasn't lived on mission. And now Calvinism is debilitating churches of its evangelistic zeal. And so in part, the, the, the church is responsible. Listen to me. A farmer cannot expect to harvest if he didn't plant any seeds. How can the church expect for America to be any different if we haven't sown the gospel into the hearts and lives of lost people? God called the church to live on mission. And we want lost senators. We want lost congressmen. We want people that are running into stores and stealing things to act different and to be different. Friend, it doesn't happen from the outside. It happens from the inside when men and women are born again. 
And so, so many today are like, well, if we get a new president, everything will change. It'll not change. It'll change back in four years. What makes a lasting difference is when men and women are born again, John 3, 7. And so we've got to accept that. So God, we're, we're in part to blame for what's happened. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 17. He says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be on those who do not obey the gospel of God? Israel had to stop and look where they were as they looked around. Babylon this, Babylon that. I'm on Main Street, Babylon. All these different, they said, we did this. And friend, the church has got to stop and say, God, what's going on in our country in part is because we've done this. We failed to live on mission. So number one, if you're going to do the best of things in the worst of times, you really got to embrace and accept the situation. How did we get to where we are? And in part, friend, we got to where we are as a country because the church hasn't lived on mission. Number two, I want you to notice if we're going to do the best of things in the worst of times, start living and stop escaping. Start living and stop escaping. I don't like the things that are going on any more than you do. But friend, listen, this is the day the Lord has made. We have to rejoice and be glad in it. You can't just hunker down and say, well, I'm just going to... Hold out until Jesus comes. Will you hold out and you just keep being unfaithful to what God's called you to do? And that's to live on mission. He, he, he's called us to bloom where we are planted. Look what the Bible says in verse number 5. Jeremiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sends them an instruction from God. And God says, you're, you're there. God says, don't set up a tent. Abraham set up tents. You know why? He wasn't going to stay where he was very long. He was always moving. But God said, you're going to be there for 70 years. He says, so build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. God says, you've, you've got to start living. And one of the things that keeps Christians from experiencing God's best, His abundant life, John 10, 10, thief comes, steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to you might have life, that spiritual life, but life more abundantly now. One of the things that keeps people from experiencing life more abundantly now is they're just existing. Just existing. You know, just, just holding on. It's not like I wanted. My life's not like it was. Things around me are terrible. And God, I'm just, I'm just holding on by my fingernails until Jesus comes. And daily you're missing God's best. Stop existing and start living in the power of the Holy Spirit. God's got a purpose for your life. And I will say this with a tender heart. Some of you faced your first Christmas without your spouse, without a child or a loved one. Some of you are facing decisions that you've never made before in a way that you haven't because your family and your family structure is different. Listen to me. If you're still here and you, drew, and you just drew a breath, God's got a purpose for your life. You're not here just to take up space. You're not here to be a pain to your family. You're, you're here. God has something He wants to do in you and through you. Your life is of value. And you're never going to experience... Now listen, and I don't care what your age is. You say, I just can't physically do what I used to do. You can pray. There's power in prayer. You can write a letter. You can send a text. 
You can continue to be an encouragement. As a child of God, if you've been walking with the Lord, you have so much wisdom, so much understanding that you can, you can share. Listen, young people, young Christians, they're full of fire. Older Christians are full of light. And it takes both to balance. So young people want to run ahead too fast. Older Christians want to walk at God's pace and shine the light of wisdom. It takes both. So your life is of value. Start living and stop existing. God says, don't just hold out for 40, 70 years while you're there. He says, plan a house and live. Keep, keep living. Because this is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice in it and be glad. Third, if you're going to do the best of things in the worst of times, faithfully live on mission. Listen to me. It has to be your purpose as you wake up each day. You're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, some man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his mission through a body of flesh and blood. The mission continues today through his church. That's what he wants to do in you and through you. It's the marching orders, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Acts 1, 8 that he gave us. We're to live on mission, either at the schoolhouse, at the workhouse, or again, I'm still, I've been here five years. Whatever it is you retired people do, I have no clue. But whatever it is, where it is you go. I know what you do. Doctor's appointments. That's what I always hear. i got five doctor's appointments this week, Brother Chad. Wherever it is that you go, we're to live on mission. So faithfully do that. Look what the Bible says in verse number 6. Now, now follow me on this. He says, take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. What's God saying? He said, a wicked generation got you to where you are. Listen to me. He says, birth a new godly generation that'll take you to where you need to be. He said, do that. Exodus 19, 6. God called the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests. And nothing had changed. And God says, so it's a wicked crowd that got you here. He says, birth a new crowd. Friend, I don't listen to me. I can't affect what happens in a community out in California, but we can affect what happens in a community here in Hamilton, Bradley County. And we can do that through discipleship. It starts in my heart and in my home and in this church as we link together for ministry. So that's what we can do. We can, can continue to raise godly generations. It's Great Commission ministry. And that has to be our focus. It has to be our desire. It's why we exist at Greenwood. To reach, to teach, and to encourage. And so that has to be a purpose that we have in our heart. And look at verse number 7. He says, And seek the peace of the city, where I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace... You will have peace. Well, how are that, how, what does that have to do with witnessing? What does that have to do with telling people about Jesus? God says, you're there in Babylon. He says, seek the peace of the city. Be, be a good neighbor. Be a good citizen. God says, I placed you there, so be a good citizen. Let my light shine through you. Pray to the Lord for that city and for in, for the peace that's to exist in it. Daniel was that kind of on-mission Christian. He didn't want to be there, but he knew that's where God had placed him. Daniel chapter 3, verse 29. Daniel 6, verse 26 are just two examples of that. 
where people saw God's lordship over Daniel's life. And so, friend, again, I'm telling you, standing on the corner, standing with a group of people, and again, in the day in which we're living, acting like you have no sense with the things you write with your fingertips on social media, either help your testimony or they're killing it. They're killing it. Just because we don't like what's going on doesn't mean we have to be ugly in how we display that we're disgusted with what's going on. None of the people there wanted to be in Babylon, but God said, pray for the place. Be a good neighbor. Be, be, a, good, be a good representative of me. And I want to remind you, 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, we're to pray for all leaders, not to curse them. And I'm telling you, friend, that there's, there's a challenge in the church today. There is a loony left, but there is a redneck right now that is just as nuts as the far left is. And this idea of cursing our president and chanting it like it's something... Friend, God is not honored in that, and no one who names the name of Christ ought to do that. You may not like what the man does, but the Bible says, friend, we're to pray for those who are in leadership over us. That they'll be saved. And that they'll know the Christ that we know. And you're not going to do that by acting like you wouldn't know God if you met Him in the road. And so that's what God told these people to do. You're in Babylon, but pray for the place. Live on mission. I'm telling you, the, on the authority of God's Word, not my opinion, the only thing that will turn this country back into a nation that honors, and more than that, friend, fears God, who has a righteous awe and respect for God, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a red hat. It's not the Republicans. It's not a president with funny hair, my friend. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone that will change our country. That's alone. So God told us, live, live on mission. And number four, He says, if you're going to do the best of things in the worst of times, be discerning in who you listen to. I encourage you, friend, listen. There's, there is every flavor of religious thought and doctrine in East Tennessee. Listen, you don't need mile markers. There's churches every quarter mile in East Tennessee. This, listen, this, this area has got more churches every mile than a rick of firewood. I mean, the, the firewood's got sticks in it. It's, they're everywhere. There's Macedonia number one, Macedonia number two, No Hope number three, New Hope number four, Split Again number five. They're, they're everywhere. And you, better, you, you need to be very discerning who you listen to. Look, look what God said to the nation of Israel. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And listen, it's not just saving faith. It's sustaining faith. It's sanctifying faith. It comes from the word. You are no stronger spiritually than the word that you receive and the word that you obey. And what got them in the shape that they were in was they listened to all the false prophets that said, Baal's absolutely cult prostitution help yourself boys it's all good because amen, god loves you and god wants you to be happy that's what he told them that's what all the false prophets told them 
And now here they are in this shape. Listen to what God tells them. Verse 8, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Now notice that. He didn't say my prophets. He said your prophets. He said all the crowd that came with you. He said not my prophets, but your prophets. What distinguished God's prophets from the people's prophets? God's prophets spoke nothing but the word of God and the full counsel of God's word. They didn't care what was popular. They didn't care what anybody wanted to hear. God gave them a message to share, and they shared it faithfully and let the chips fall wherever they did. The people's prophets put out flowers. Now, what is it y'all want to hear about? Would you like me to do a series? Well, tell me what it is. Well, whatever will make y'all happy, that's what we're going to tell you. Now, what don't you want to hear? Well, we won't talk about those things. Look what the Bible says in verse 8. For, for thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners which are in your midst deceive you, nor, let your, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. God says, I have not sent them, says the Lord. You need to be very discerning. I will tell you the two things that drive false churches today that preach partially from God's word. Two things. Fear of man, love of money. Fear of man, love of money. We see it displayed in 1 Samuel 15. God had called Samuel. He gave the people one of the worst things that they could have, and that's what they wanted. And he anointed Saul to be king. And so Samuel came and he anointed Saul. And God sent Samuel to give Saul a message. He says, I want you to go and to kill King Agag and to destroy everything. As he went to the Amalekites, he saw some of the bulls were really pretty good. And listen, Saul knew what a good bull looked like. He had been a farmer. He knew. And he didn't want to kill Agag. Maybe he was going to kill him later and get some glory out of it. But God said, kill Agag and destroy everything. And he didn't do that. He partially obeyed what God had told him to do. Now listen, Saul was the leader of the nation of Israel. He was to be leading them in the direction that they should go. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and in verse number 24, Samuel begins to ask Saul, why, why didn't you fully honor what God said to do? Why didn't you lead the people to do that? Now listen, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned and I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. I feared the people. I want you to listen to me. Just as sure as my name's Chad Chandler and yours is what it is. There are churches that have leaders today that are absolutely run and scared of the people. And COVID's even increased that more. Because giving's down, attendance is down, and there are people, and then there's groups of people behind the leaders who are pushing them and saying, we've got to get our attendance back up. Whatever we've got to do, we've got to do it. And giving's down. We've got to give our giving back up, whatever it takes. Friend, listen, I will tell you from the jump. Greenwood Baptist Church isn't concerned about attendance or money. We're concerned about souls. And we want the pews to be running over with people. We want that. But we want it to be because they've been saved and they want to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. If anybody can be backslidden in Greenwood Baptist Church and be satisfied... We're doing something wrong in ministry. We're doing something wrong. 
And so he, he told me, she said, you need to be very discerning who you listen to. What are you saying all that about all these churches for? Because I'm telling you, friend, there are voices on the radio. There are voices on the Internet. There are men standing behind sacred desks that used to preach the whole counsel of God's Word, but they preach partially from God's Word now because they're running scared and they got to have money. I'm telling you the way it is. Paul said it would happen in the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. He said there would be a group of people who would push and pull away from the church and go to a place and be given to fables. With itching ears, they will he, he teaches them that will tell them what they want to hear. And that word fables in the Greek means fiction, untruths. What they're telling them is not true. And God says, don't you listen to these people. Now, I'm telling you, friend, if you want to honor God and you want to experience His best in 2022, you better make sure that you're sitting under the sound preaching and teaching of God's Word. I promise you, this church, it's not in me. Listen, I don't do anything except let the Word of God speak. You can find a better personality. You can find somebody that's better looking. You can find somebody, listen, that is more articulate and can be more funny. But I promise you this, you won't find anybody that will let the Word of God speak more than I will. And that's not on me. That's just saying, friend, I don't have anything to offer you. I've got nothing. Zilch, nada, nothing. But I've got the Word of God, friend. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. And so what you get, and our Sunday school teachers, it's, it's not about jokes, scores, opinions. We're going to let the Word of God speak. I promise you, if you bring your child on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, we're not just going to sit in there and color the whole time and feed them popcorn. We're going to give them the Word of God. I promise you that. Because the Word of God will change their lives. So be very discerning who you listen to and who you read behind. Number five. You want to do the best of things in the worst of times? Look forward to a better day. Look forward to a better day. Listen to what God says in verse number 10. For, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word to you and cause you to return to this place. God says, I'm, I'm going to bring you back to Judah. This isn't it. He says, there's going to be, there's going to be a new beginning. Verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Because you're going to call upon me and go and pray to me. He says, And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found uh, with by you, says the Lord God. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place which I caused you to be carried away captive. God told them, listen, there's a better day coming. Friend, I can't tell you that there's going to be a better day in America. But I can tell you this, friend. The Bible promises in the book of Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 1 that the roses will bloom again in the desert when Jesus Christ returns. I can't say there's going to be a better day in my lifetime than in your lifetime. But one of these days, friend, Jesus Christ is going to come again. He's going to step down bodily on this earth and rule as King of kings and Lord of lords for a literal 1,000 years, and it's going to be great. There's a better day coming. So the hardship and the adversity that we're living in, we don't like it. We don't like the moral climate because we love the Lord and we love His Word and we love His will. But this isn't it. There's a better day coming. And so until then, we move forward. 
We move forward in faithfulness. I want to share with you a story I, I found several months ago. You know, during the Cromwellian Revolution in England, in mid-1600s, it was a very difficult time in England. Now, this was prior, listen, to England fighting the early Americans who had sat to establish and had declared their independence. This was, this was a time that England was going through a lot of turmoil. There was a civil war in England. There were riots in the streets. There was civil unrest. There was economic unrest. There was political unrest. History shows that the legislative branch in England and the executive branch had kind of turned on each other and were fighting. Nothing was getting done in government. Crime was at an all-time high. It was a difficult time to live in England. But don't you listen to this truth. There was a man by the name of Robert Shirley Baronet. God moved on his heart where he lived in Stalton Herald to plant a Bible-believing, New Testament, disciple-making church. In the midst of all of that unrest, in the midst of all that challenge, in the midst of all that sin, God moved on the heart of one man to plant a local church, and people got saved. A church existed there. And over the door of that church, the front door of that church that still stands today, these words are written. Listen, there's a testimony to what happened. It says, in the year 1653, when all things sacred were throughout the nation either demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley Baronet founded this church whose singular praise it is have been to done the best of things in the worst of times and hope for them in the most calamitous. Isn't that something? Here was a church and a group of people that says it's a wicked time. It's hard. This isn't the England that we love. But God is a group of believers that you've called to live on mission. We're going to seek to do the best of things in the worst of times and hope for them in the most calamitous. Now I just, I wonder and I pray that in the days and the years to come that this might be said. This is my prayer as your pastor. It could be said that in the year 2022 and those that followed, when all things sacred in America, throughout the nation, either were demolished or profaned, a group of disciples called Greenwood Baptist Church lived on mission, whose singular praise it is have been said to have done the best of things in the worst of times and hope for them in the most calamitous. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I pray that in these difficult days, you will find us faithful. Lord, we declare to you, we don't like the way things are going in our country. We don't like the sin. Lord, we're dissatisfied with the economic problems and the political problems, the bickering, the infighting. God, all the sin, crime, no respect for life. But God, here we stand for such a time as this. God, I pray in these days you will find this church family faithfully living on mission every single day in our hearts, under our roofs where we reside, 
where we work, where we are as retired individuals, and God, under the steeple of this church, you will find us seeking to do the best of things in the worst of times. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, friend, you can't be used by God until you've been born again because the Bible says spiritually you're dead if you've never been saved. There's never been a moment in your life. I want you to listen to me. I want to ask you a question this morning. Would you be honest before God? If you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? I didn't ask you if you were a member of a church or you've been baptized. I'm asking you, if you died today, are you 100% certain you'd go to heaven? Has there ever really been a moment in your life where you repented and you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life? There hasn't. Won't you do that right now? It's what Christmas is all about. Jesus was born so that 33 and one half years later, he might hang on a cross and give his life for you. He died in your place. But praise God, he rose from the grave. And he's in heaven waiting to hear from you right now if you'll only choose to turn him and receive him in your heart to be Lord of your life. Tell him so right now if you've never done that. Tell him in a silent prayer just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I need you. I turn from all my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. With all my heart, I want Christ to come live in me and be Lord of my life. That's my prayer today. If you prayed that and you meant it, I'm going to invite you to make your way down here in just a few moments to where I stand and to simply say, I've asked Christ to come in my heart. Would you be honest with God this morning? Just, just a little review. Just a little review of 2021. Child of God, did you really give God the best of your mornings last year? Did you commit every day and did you do it? Were you a doer? Did you spend the first part of your day studying God's Word every day last year? Was it a commitment in your life? Was prayer a priority? Was obedience to what you were learning a commitment? Did you really seek to live on mission last year? Has another year come by and you still don't know what your spiritual gift is? You're still really not plugged into service in the life of the church. Are you living on mission every day? Really, are you see, do you see your life, your job as a mission field, your retirement as financing so that in the last days, in the best days of your life, you can live on mission for Christ? Is that how you see your life? Then lay your life at his feet again. But as this new year begins, start 2022 the right way. Fully surrender to Christ's lordship and be a doer of those things you commit to. Father, speak to us now. God, only your Holy Spirit can convict us of where there needs to be change. And I praise you shine a light on those things. We'll turn from self-will and, 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 and humble ourselves and surrender to your perfect will for our lives. Father, I pray there'll be nothing that will hinder what you want to do in hearts and lives now. Your best will come to pass. And truly, God, if you give us another year, we can stand at the dawn of a new year next year, 2023, and say in 2022, Greenwood Baptist Church was a body of believers made up of families and individuals that sought to do the best of things in the worst of times for God's glory alone. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Let's reverently stand our feet.